Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, we've got nothing but blue skies where I'm sitting today. I hope it's the same for you. We have a wonderful episode prepared for you because I think everybody should have a best friend that's a computational neuroscience expert. So (laughs) I am so excited to introduce you to uh, Chloe Duckworth, who's the co-founder and CEO of Valence Vibrations. And she's going to tell us what the company is currently doing um, in terms of neuroscience, how she is helping people solve real life problems in this world, as well as some future predictions on trends. So, hey, Chloe, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Chloe, I want you in just your own lovely words to tell everyone what it is that your company does in the world today. So Valence Vibrations is an emotion AI company. So what that means is we are trying to create emotional subtitles in digital spaces to help people better connect with shared emotional understanding. Oftentimes in virtual spaces, it can be difficult to sort of read the room, especially on social media, where there's a lot of hidden meanings behind things. Mm -hmm. We're essentially using our technology to analyze voices and help people better connect across demographics, across the screen optimized right now for cross-cultural and cross-neurotype interactions. So helping folks with different um, neurotypes like autism and ADHD, as well as different accents, better connect with each other online. So I know your company has, you have big aspirations and you've got so many things to talk about, but the most common place that people might see your work today is Vibes for Apple Watch. So give us a little bit about what that product is and also how that relationship came about. Sure. So Vibes for Apple Watch was our first product that launched last year. And it's an Apple Watch application that helps you literally read the vibes of the room as a vibration on your wrist. So you can essentially receive feedback on how people are feeling while you're speaking to them and also regulate your own emotions as you're in any sort of interaction to help you better understand and check in with yourself if you might be getting overwhelmed or overloaded in a particular interaction. And the way that it does this is by analyzing tones as people are speaking. So it'll take in audio on the watch in a certain interval and classify the emotions of the person that's speaking and relay that as a vibration on your wrist associated with each emotion. So the happy vibration, for example, has this light fluttery feeling, whereas angry is more of an abrupt jolt. And it's fairly intuitive. So most of our users will learn to interpret each of these emotions as the vibration associated within a week so that they don't have to look down at their watch and see the visual subtitle. They can just feel the vibes with Vibes for Apple Watch. Well, I want to come back to that product, but let's take a step back um, and, and say, you know, why? Why an interest in this area that this is this was like your passion that you were like, I'm going to build this, this company. Tell us where sure. it all started. 
So when I was in high school, I thought that I wanted to be pre-med going into college, um, but I was very interested in neuroscience and did a summer internship at Stanford where I met Dr. David Eagleman. David Eagleman is a sensory neuroscientist and the founder of a company called Neosensory. Neosensory is helping deaf and hard of hearing people better interpret sounds as vibrations using haptic feedback and also helping treat tinnitus. And I was really inspired by their work using sensory augmentation, where you can literally translate new sensory experiences for disabled people or augment sensory experiences for any person with new modalities. And so I was really inspired by this idea of translating sound into vibration. Mm -hmm. And later on in college, I um, had started working for another neurotech company called BrainMind and reconnected with David Eagleman through that experience and learned about this hackathon that they were holding at Neosensory, where they were enabling developers to create new applications of haptic feedback. And so me and my college friend, Shannon, who I had met in our freshman dorm, decided to enter this hackathon with this idea of expressing emotions as a real-time subtitle, essentially. So you could feel vibrations associated with emotions as you're speaking to someone on a wearable device. And that was the initial idea. We were very passionate about neurodiversity in particular. We both had personal connections to neurodiversity within autism, ADHD, and sort of more broader categories of folks that significantly struggle with emotional perception due to sensory processing differences in the way that you're receiving voice and visual information and combining that information to make sense of emotion. And so well, we really have to improve emotional perception. In that. I'm just going to say I'm, I'm laughing because it's a very scientific way of of talking about everything. But then, um, Chloe, I, people should also go take a look at, at TikTok because you've got very practical examples yeah. there of just understanding your boyfriend or understanding your coworker. I mean, this really is is for everybody. Yes, there's, there's people that this is a, a game changer for them. And then there's others that it's like, no, you just need to get better clued in and tuned in. Uh, to what's to what's going on um no thanks for that that background and um and for you know the a little bit more as to who you are and and behind your your why so let's like get back to the present and let's talk about the product on um the apple watch platform and and your your kind of your your pitch and, and your approach to this um i think one of the things when people buy any kind of apps or subscription services, there's a couple things that go into the, the decision-making process. It's like one, either what does it cost in money or what does it cost me in, in data or, or advertising or listing or selling? So, you know, every time you go to market with, market with a product, you as the founder have to make a lot of business business decisions. So tell us a little bit about your approach for some of these items. Sure. So I think that for our users in particular, pricing is um, a key factor. And oftentimes feedback that we'll get is that users um, are often seeing free apps on the app store and don't necessarily understand the trade-off for why typically apps are free. 
And generally, um, in terms of social media apps and most of the popular free apps on the Apple App Store, the reason why they're free is because instead of putting the burden of cost on the actual end user, they are selling end user data to data brokers and data storage um, typically within the advertising industry in order to monetize your data that you are willfully expressing onto these platforms. Because we are trying to improve communication for end users and also recognize that voice and emotion data is very sensitive and should be remaining private um, for all users. We want people to feel safe to express themselves naturally within our application without fear of how this data might be used against them or to better sell to them. And so we don't uh, monetize any user data and instead reflect the cost back onto the end user as a subscription model. So you would exactly know how your data is being used. On our side, we actually can't access your voice or emotion data at all either. It's all being processed mm -hmm. on your device. So we can never access that information either. Well, hey, let's talk about, um, you know, one, congratulations. You know, you're, you're growing. You've done your pre-seed round. You are on your way. Um, you shared a little bit about this next phase of licensing API. So tell us a little bit about this growth trajectory that you have right now. Sure. So our goal as a company is to become the ubiquitous emotional subtitle technology that you're seeing online. We've really seen closed captioning, alt text, and some form of subtitles appear in most places online in the past couple of years, especially during the pandemic, where websites and organizations rapidly had to accommodate digital accessibility in a new way that they hadn't needed to before necessarily because they weren't all exclusively interacting online. And so what we really saw is that subtitles proliferated the internet. Mm -hmm. Emotional context is missing from that though. And so when you're watching a Netflix show and you're trying to better grasp what's happening using subtitles, you're not getting any tonal inflection information on whether that was sarcastic or not. And so it's oftentimes difficult to actually rely on subtitles without all of this additional missing information from the audio that you might not be able to hear or might not be using for some reason or another. So our goal as a company is to integrate emotional subtitles into all of these digital platforms. Which ne what's next for us is API licensing in terms of integrating emotional subtitles as a digital accessibility tool in different video conferencing applications, particularly within hiring settings where there's a lot of discrimination against neurodivergent voices and non-North American English voices, for example, in America. And so having an additional accessibility tool to make sure that every person's unique voice is respected and understood within hiring settings, onboarding all the way to employment is very important. And there's a number of neurodiversity hiring programs that are popping up at very large companies like Microsoft and IBM that are trying to move the needle in terms of inspiring neurodiversity in the workplace. And this is an additional step in that. Um, we're also working in sort of customer intelligence applications, helping customer support staff better understand when customers are becoming angry versus a satisfied customer and helping them address those challenges more appropriately. Well, I'm glad companies like yours are in the market and making these advances. I, I work on the global stage, and so I can really appreciate that it's 
you know, culture misses a lot. And even when it comes to translations, like it's still missing, like you said, the tonality or the undertones and, and people don't always, don't always get it. So I can't wait to see all the places your products show up, but it, it leads me to my next question, which is, you know, we can't get away from how much AI and chat GPT are in our everyday life. And I, I laugh because I've been doing this podcast for a number of years and I've been talking about these things for a while. And now it's like the rest of the world has, has woken up, <laughs> but <laughs> what are some of the trends that, that you're seeing or keeping your eye on or saying there's going to be intersectionality with what I do very soon? Sure. So I think, I mean, the last six months of generative AI have been very exciting the rapid pace of development has been very exciting for a lot of people and scaring for so many more. Um, and so I think as a founder of an AI company, I want to caution people that generative AI does have a lot of use. And though the rapid pace of development can necessitate um, you know, increased conversations around how we're using it and integrating it into our daily lives. And it requires new guardrails and new systems in place for how we can best integrate this into education, for example, to ensure that students are actually leveraging it to improve their education, which it has vast potential to do rather than using it to get around traditional academic dishonesty clauses, for example. Um, but I think that like the Cambrian explosion of development within AI is so exciting in the past six months. And for companies like ours that are working within voice tech specifically, potential to integrate with voice assistants is very inspiring. I think, you know, the first generation of voice assistants with Siri and Alexa mm -hmm. being connected to versions of large language models, but now having something that's much more robust and capable of solving lots of different conversational prompts is very exciting. So being able to connect that to voice technology to integrate um, text to speech, where you can actually be talking to something like ChatGPT and asking it specific questions is um, definitely the next step of how we're gonna see large language models be integrated in the future. I also will say that ChatGPT is more of a general model. It's in some ways trying to boil the ocean of answering all sorts of prompts from any type of person that wants to interact with it. But seeing companies that are working on specific ChatGPT plugins that are specifically trained for one use case is really interesting to me too, because I think that that's able to fine tune to a very particular type of business or consumer use case that's going to be more equipped to be integrated into your life on a daily basis and solving one specific need more so than one general version of a model. Well, I agree with you. And I think what's going to be exciting is, is you know, an everyday common person is going to eventually become familiar with and know and identify like different types of AI, I, I equate it to having a car. Like mm -hmm. a, we talk about AI right now is AI is a car, but eventually, you know, you're going to be like, oh, do you have a Honda? Do you have a Mazda? Do you have a, a Ford? Do you have a, a Chevy? Do you, because they're all going to, like you said, do, do different things, have different applications, different purposes, different intentionality. And, and that will be exciting. But as we all know, understanding the, the guardrails and understanding 
how it's really pulling in. I also worry about businesses, you know, in one way they need to invest in, in AI, they need to be harnessing it, but I also worry about how many dollars are going to be wasted by business on the wrong AI things. Um, and so it is, it's hard. Everybody needs to have experts like yourself in their network to help them answer some of these kind of directional questions. What do I, what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I trust? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it starts to get even more confusing for, for businesses. If we just think about marketing applications and MarTech and AI and marketing, um, there's such an influx of, of choices and, and products. So it's, it's this like beautiful, wonderful thing coming into business, but a confusing thing as well. Um, Chloe, let's, let's do a jump. What, what brings you the most joy in, in your life as a, a founder? What makes you go, oh my God, this was such a great, a great day. So many things. I think, <laughs> um, I always tell people that I didn't go into entrepreneurship wanting to start any company because I wanted to be an entrepreneur or be my own boss as oftentimes people um, will say and why they wanted to start a company. I really started this company because it was the exact problem solution that I wanted to work on. And I think the human element of hearing user stories of how they're integrating this into their daily life and how it's changing their life are very inspiring to me. And getting to wake up every day and work on technology that I think is groundbreaking and very exciting to build um, is what keeps me going. That brings me a lot of joy. I spoke with a user a couple of weeks ago who said he had used this technology during his father's funeral, actually, oh. which was one of the worst days of his life. It was a very overloading day, but he was able to integrate it into that experience to help him better modulate all of the conversations he was having, because normally it would be sort of overwhelming to have all of these people with various ranges of emotion coming up to him, but being able to use our app actually helped improve that experience for him on one of the worst days of his life. And hearing stories like that really keep me going as a founder and energize me to keep building and, and keep democratizing access to our technology to as many people as we can. Wow. That's a, that's a powerful story, Chloe. Um, you're in San Francisco. And I, I always like to ask founders, you know, where they plug into for inspiration and as part of their knowledge network, um, any experiences you want to share about any accelerators or any um, programs or, or groups that you have worked with or are connected with today? Yeah. So I'm actually a part of On Deck. Um, I'm in the On Deck cohort 17, and it's a wonderful cohort of other founders that are building their dream companies. Um, some of them are still working their full-time job, trying to raise funding and launch their company. Others are looking for co-founders. Some are later stage like myself and just trying to build community with other founders. And I think having that network to fall back on, to ask very specific questions with oftentimes serial entrepreneurs that have been there before and really get it and can't answer my questions that oftentimes investors and people that haven't started a company before can't really answer. And so that's been really helpful to me. I, I started my company as a student at USC during the pandemic, um, not really having a founder community and definitely not having a founder community in person. 
So being able to be here in SF and connect with all of these other founders has been very special and meaningful to me. Well, as you said, you started out chasing the problem and not necessarily wanting to be this like business owner, you know, chasing dollars. What would you say was some of the key lessons that you thought were really valuable as, as you learned how to organize your business and, and get going? I would say the number one lesson that I learned, and I'm glad that I learned it early on, was that mentorship was so powerful for me. And this was a very different you know, method of um, finding mentorship during the pandemic, where you sort of had to build these online relationships that were different than than in-person ones. But I think that I was really grateful for all of the great mentors that I found that just wanted to support a young female entrepreneur trying to figure everything out on her own for the first time. And I think really early on, I had a couple of mentors from previous jobs that I had worked with in neurotech that inspired me, particularly at BrainMind, to venture out and send a cold email to as many people as I can and learn more about their role and and what they would have done differently when they were a young founder. Mm -hmm. And I I loved asking other entrepreneurs and investors early on those questions because it gave me so much insight when I was just getting started. And so I always recommend that any entrepreneur of any age really just send the cold email. The worst thing they can do is not respond, but it's definitely a skill that I practice today. Well, and on that, when it comes to, um, growth and and marketing and you've you've as we talked earlier you're talking to these different companies about licensing these api plugins are you doing any uh marketing are you growing organically through introductions what's the path for you right now we're doing a little bit of both um so we're marketing on tiktok primarily because i think we've been able to build a lot of buzz primarily within neurodiversity communities on TikTok. I found that on social media, special interest and sort of closed communities have mm-hmm. enabled people that traditionally felt left out in in-person interaction in school to really thrive and find other people that are exactly like them and that make them feel empowered. And so seeing the autistic community on TikTok, for example, have a very vibrant community of, of content creators is really inspiring to me. So we've been able to tap into that. Um, and then also doing a lot of um, traditional methods of enterprise sales outside of that for more of our B2B applications. Hey, I always like to ask my guests, if we came back and talked to you in two, three, four, five years, what is the vision? Where are you planning on taking this company? Yeah, I love that question. Um, we we want to see emotional subtitles everywhere. I want to be on Netflix and see when my characters are upset at each other and see more nuanced emotional <laughs> insights while they're speaking and I'm using subtitles. I want to see our application integrated into all video conferencing applications. So it's really easy to read the room in a virtual setting. I want to see automated tone tags on social media, which we're already seeing users um, actually write out themselves when they're sarcastic, for example, but having an automated process to do so would be awesome. And really just inspiring increased real connection online and humanizing our relationship with the AI that 
we're using every day in some platform or another and making sure that we're adding human connection back into the loop because I think that we definitely have potential to lose that in the direction that we're going and I'm happy that our company is working to reverse that trend. Well, Chloe, if people want to find out more and they want to connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, VLANS Vibrations has a big TikTok account. It's just at VLANS Vibrations. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're just starting that account out um, as well as um, LinkedIn if you want to connect with me. Well, hey, to our listeners, I do think you should connect to Chloe because I think this is an area that will permeate so many of our business lives, even if you're if you don't think it applies right now. Uh, I think she's somebody great to know. So reach out and follow her on LinkedIn. If there is somebody that you think needs to know Chloe or wants to do more, learn more about this space, pass along a copy of this episode. Hey, we always like reviews. Go ahead to your favorite podcast site, give us review. And if there's somebody that you think I should interview and speak to, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Hey, until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Chloe, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.